Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32 and 36 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow, to the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you all once again here today. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? Good, good, good. So, so as we begin today, I, I have a question for you uh, just to think about a little bit. Because, you know, as we gather here uh, together this morning, just a, a few weeks after the end of spring break and in the middle of the spring semester. And you know, for many of you all, you have exams going on, you have assignments that are due, you have labs and projects that you need to complete, and maybe you have some books that you need to read or some lectures that you need to catch up on. As you're in the midst of this, I'm, I'm curious, have any of you, and you don't have to answer out loud, but have any of you ever thought to yourself in the midst of all of this, why am I doing this? Amen. I, I, I've got some people who agree with me. Amen. Why, why am I doing this? Well, you know, for, for, for some of you, uh, the answer to this might be, you know, fairly easy, right? You, you might be saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this so I can get a good job. And then by getting a good job, I can get a good salary. And by getting a good salary, I can have a good lifestyle, right? Uh, so that might be one reason. Or some of you might be saying to yourself, you know, I'm doing this because the thing that I'm studying, and I was talking with Kevin earlier, and he was talking a little bit about what he's studying. And, and you know, he was just saying the thing that he's studying, that's his passion and his desire. And so for some of you, you, maybe you're doing this because it's your passion and your desire to study the things that you're studying here uh, while you're at PLNU. Or, you know, some of you may be actually doing this because as you think about it, this may be the next logical step in your life. You may be saying, well, you know, I want to go to law school or I want to go to med school. And so the next logical step is to go on and get a degree and then move on to those further degrees from there. And you know, some of you may actually be doing this, not because of any of those reasons, but some of you may be doing this because you said, well, you know, my parents said I need to go to college. So I'm going to go to college. It's what your parents are expecting of you. For some of you, you may be the first generation 
of college students within your family. And you have this great opportunity and you don't want to waste it. And you say, that's the reason why I'm doing this, because I want to become a first generation college graduate. And yet, quite honestly, others of you may be in here and you say to yourself, you know, as I'm doing this, I'm really not sure why I'm doing this. You know, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I know that I want to explore. I want to find out what the options and opportunities are for me. Uh, So that's one of the reasons that I'm here, because I'm not really sure what I want to do, but I know that I want to explore my opportunities. So in other words, there are many different reasons why you may be doing this. But let me ask you a follow-up question, and that is this. When times get hard, and, and you're struggling to keep up with your classes, and you're struggling to keep up with your assignments. When, when time gets hard and, and, and your health starts to fail you in the middle of the semester. When, when times get hard and, and you're trying to figure out how do I pay for school for the rest of the year? Or how do I make sure that I get enough food to eat during this week? When times are hard and you're trying to figure out how do I manage and juggle all these responsibilities that I have while in school because I have obligations to school and obligations to my family and obligations to my job and obligations and obligations and obligations. And in the midst of this, you're stressed out by all that you're carrying. In the midst of these times, in the midst of the times when you're, you're, you're struggling and you're trying to find people in places of connection and you're struggling to find that within this community, in the midst of all these hard times, why do you do what you do? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Does that question take on a different tone then when, when you're in the midst of challenges and struggles? Are you, are you truly just thinking to yourself, you know, God, why am I doing this, God? Why am I doing this? In other words, what what is your motivation for continuing on, even in the midst of obstacles, even in the midst of challenges, and even in the midst of disappointments? In other words, what causes you to keep the faith? You know, as we heard our text read earlier today, and as we enter into this scripture passage, uh, Jesus' parents are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple in Jerusalem in order to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. And as they come in, they encounter two people, Simeon and Anna. Now, it's interesting because scripture doesn't really indicate whether or not Simeon and Anna knew each other or, or, or whether they had any relationship with one another. And as we meet them, and as we learn about Simeon and Anna, we find out they're really two very different people. For example, Simeon in this passage is described as just a man in Jerusalem. So there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. But yet Anna and her background is given in much more detail. They talk about there is also a woman named Anna, a prophet, a daughter of Phanuel, and of the tribe of Asher. They were much different people. Simeon is described as having the Holy Spirit resting on him. Quick parenthetical note, this is no small thing to have the Holy Spirit resting upon you, especially during that time because the Holy Spirit generally came and left from people, but it says that Simeon had the Holy Spirit resting upon him. 
But yet when we look at Anna, no mention of the Holy Spirit is given in her description. And finally, Simeon is described as being led by the Spirit into the temple. But Anna is described as having never left the temple. It says that she never leaves the temple. Simeon and Anna were two truly different people, but yet they had a few things in common. There were a few things they had in common. So so here's the first thing that you need to know about Simeon and Anna that they had in common. First, both Simeon and Anna were described and identified as being righteous. They were described as being righteous in very different ways. Simeon is literally described as being righteous. It says that Simeon was a righteous man. And so this is referring to Simeon's actions and his lifestyle. The the other synonym in the Old Testament for righteous is blameless. Blamelessness. Simeon lived his life in such a way that it was righteous and blameless before God. Simeon is identified, literally described as being righteous. But at the same time, Anna is also described as being righteous through her lifestyle because she worshiped at the temple with fasting and prayer over and over again. But what's more, though, is that in addition to both of them being righteous, another thing that they have in common is that they are both described as being devout. Though, once again, they're described as being devout in different ways. Once again, with Simeon, as we look at Simeon, he's literally described as being devout. It says he is righteous and devout. And that word devout in in, in the Greek language literally has this connotation of clinging to or holding on to something. So in other words, to, to be devout is to be faithful. To be devout is to be consistent. To be devout is to keep the faith. And while Simeon is named as being devout, Anna is described as being devout through, once again, her lifestyle. She was faithful in coming to the temple to worship, to fast, and to pray, even after tragedy struck her and her husband had died. You know, it's interesting, some scholars have speculated that if Anna was married at the customary age of their society at the time, wait for it, y'all, the age of 14 or 15, if she had gotten married at her customary age and her husband died after seven years, then that that means that Anna had been in the temple worshiping, fasting, and praying since she was 21 or 22 years old and she was now 84. Now, that is devotion. That is being devout. So both Simeon and Anna are described as righteous. And both Simeon and Anna are devoted or faithful, even in the midst of difficulties, of challenges, and of tragedies. But that raises a question for us to ponder. And that question is, why were they faithful? Why were they doing what they were doing? And so this is where our third commonality between Simeon and Anna comes into play. And that is this. Simeon and Anna were doing what they were doing because they both had great faith 
in a faithful God. Simeon and Anna were doing what they're doing because they both had great faith in a faithful God. The same passage of scripture tells us that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Now, this is a reference to a prophecy that was made by the prophet Isaiah over 500 years before, when both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah were in captivity and oppression. And though 500 years had passed and the Israelites were still suffering under Roman rule, Simeon believed that God would deliver them that God would be true to God's word. You know, a quick parenthetical note for you all. Um, a spiritual mother of mine once said this saying to me and it has stuck with me. And I think it's important as we think about this whole concept of, being, of being, uh, having great faith in a faithful God. She said this to me. She said, look, she said, there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. Simeon and Anna believed God. So, see, Simeon, he believed this. He believed this about God and he believed God. And so, Simeon lived his life in accordance with his beliefs. And similarly, Anna went to speak to those around her who were looking for God's redemption. They were looking for God's redemption because they believed that God would deliver them. You see, this is what faith looks like. It's trusting in something so much that you step out and you act upon that trust. You know, it's interesting. When you think about it, we do this every day, even without thinking about it. We, 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 we act in trust, even though we act in faith, even though we don't think about it. Let me give you a quick example. The fact that you all are sitting here today, that demonstrates that you have faith. It demonstrates that you have trust. How do I know? I know because you believe when you sat down that the seats that you're sitting in will hold you up and will not let you go crashing to the ground. You, that's trust and that's faith. You, you, you believe that as you sit down that the seat is going to hold you up and you will not go crashing to the ground. And we demonstrate it every day. We demonstrate it when we sit in chairs. We demonstrate it when we get into cars and drive and ride in cars and buses. And we demonstrate it every day when we fly in airplanes and other modes of transportation. That is faith. It is a belief in something so deep that you are willing to trust yourself to it and act accordingly. But the thing about Simeon and Anna is that the thing about them is that their faith was not an ordinary faith. Instead, they had a great faith. And it was a great faith because it was a faith that was in a faithful God. Let me ask you another question. How do you keep the faith even when you don't see the results of that faith and you may never see the results of that faith? How do you continue to live a life of faithfulness even when difficulties and tragedy strike and it seems like there's no hope and there's no light at the end 
of the tongue. Even though it had been more than 500 years since God's prophecy, and even though they were still under oppression and in captivity, Simeon and Anna believed that God was faithful to fulfill God's promise. As the writer of the book of Hebrews puts it, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Simeon and Anna didn't just believe in God, they believed God. And even though they hadn't seen the full results of their faith, it had been over 500 years, yet and still they believed God and they placed their faith and trust in a faithful God. You know, it reminds me of a slave spiritual that slaves such as my ancestors used to sing. And this was a little song that they used to sing and it it said this, it said, keep inching along, keep inching along. Jesus will come by and by. Keep inching along like a poor inchworm. Jesus will come by and by. Simeon and Anna were able to be faithful because they had great faith in a faithful God. Even though it had been over 500 years and they still had not seen the full result of their faith. But there's something important for you to know, and that is this. It's important for us to understand that most of us don't just wake up one morning with great faith. But instead, it's something that has developed over time as our faithful God reveals to us in glimpses and in smaller ways, God's faithfulness. So let me give you an example. Take take Abraham, for example. If you think about Abraham, um, in the beginning, God says to Abraham, Abraham, get up, take your family, go to the land that I have planned for you. But God does not reveal the entire plan to Abraham. Now, as Abraham trusts God and through fits and starts, acts upon that trust, God revealed more and more of God's faithfulness to Abraham until finally when God calls for Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac upon the altar, Abraham's faith has been built up to the point of believing that God will restore Isaac to him even if he sacrifices his son on the altar. In other words, Abraham had great faith because he trusted in a faithful God, but this faithful God had given him glimpses along the way of God's faithfulness. I want you to know that God will give us glimpses of God's faithfulness in order to build up our faith so that when great faith is needed, we can rely upon the track record of the faithful God. Where have you seen God's presence today? Where have you seen God's faithfulness, glimpses of God's faithfulness today? You see, this is what was happening with Simeon and Anna. Uh, we don't know what glimpses God may have given them over their lifetimes of, about God's faithfulness, but it's interesting to note that even here in the text that we heard read today, God is still giving them only a glimpse. You see, for Simeon, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's anointed one, the one that God had designated to deliver Israel from their captivity and oppression. And once he had seen and held the baby Jesus, who was only one month old at this point, he considered God's promise fulfilled. Why? 
because he had a glimpse. And similarly, when Anna, who was now 84 years old, saw the baby Jesus, she also had a glimpse and went on to praise God and tell others about the baby that had been born. You know, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that neither of them saw the totality of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But the key thing here is that both of them had a glimpse of what was to come. What glimpses of God's faithfulness has God shown you in your life? How has God shown God's faithfulness to you over time? You know, real quickly, I, I shared, um, when I was sharing before, I, I've shared a story about uh, just living in college in a house with other roommates and just how we shared meals together and I brought us together uh, as a people. But I, the one thing I didn't tell you is that that's not the full story. That's not the full story because here, here's the full story. When I was in college, I was belonged to a local church and I was part of our choir, our, our young adult choir, and then also part of a, um, a male singing group that actually uh, sang at different uh, services and churches. And so we had three services on a Sunday that we were supposed to sing at. And I was hungry and I didn't have much in the fridge at home. And so I remember thinking to myself, man, how am I going to get food? And then, and then it was interesting because God brought to my mind a, a scripture verse, uh, a little scripture verse that, that God had shared with me uh, that you all have probably heard before. It's a little verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to it. And right before that it says, so don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink, but seek first the kingdom of God. So I was like, okay, God, you told me not to worry about what I'm gonna eat or drink, but I'm hungry. But you told me to seek first your kingdom and righteousness and everything else will be added. So God, I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna worry about what I'm gonna eat today. Let me just go ahead and do what it is you've called me to do. So I went to church, we sang for our early service, and then after early service, I went to Sunday school because I knew that Sunday school was part of what God had given me to do. But in going to Sunday school, I had to pass through the kitchen in the dining room area where there was bacon and there was pancakes and there was eggs and everything else frying. And I was really tempted, but I was like, but no, God has, has called me to seek first his kingdom. So I go to Sunday school class and in the middle of Sunday school class, there's a knock on the door and a woman walks in and she says, you know what? God laid upon my heart today to fix some of my famous sweet potato pies for you all. And so sweet potato pie, we, we got to eat sweet potato pie in the midst of Sunday school class. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. So then after that, I went ahead, we sang for our, our, our uh, 11 o'clock service, but there was a break between the end of the 11 o'clock service and our afternoon or our evening performance. And so I got together with a friend of mine who was from the area and he ended up taking me over to his house. And as we walked in his house, I walked in and I go, what is that I'm smelling? And he's like, oh, that's this, this soup that my mother made. And he said, you know, my mother makes this soup. I, I really don't like this soup, but you can have as much as you want. Seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness and everything else will be added to you. So I got to eat soup. And then I go and I perform that evening. And when the performance is over, it's about six or seven o'clock. And I walk back into my house and my housemate said, hey, while you were gone, we decided to have a potluck. And all I had was a can of corn. And they said, hey, just give that to us. That's fine. And so I gave them a can of corn. And then that evening, I got a chance to eat a third time, eat a feast of so many different dishes and delicacies. And it was in the midst of that that God gave me this glimpse that allowed me to see that if I trusted God, 
God would be faithful to what it was that God said God would do. So the question for us today, the question for us to consider is this question of what glimpses of God's faithfulness has God shown us? You know, real quickly as we close out, um, I had the privilege of being with a number of our students over spring break going on a civil rights tour. Uh, of the South. And as we were on this civil rights tour, uh, one of the things that we got a chance to experience was um, just learning more about Dr. Martin Luther King, one of my heroes. And one of the things that I learned about Dr. King, which was interesting, was that Dr. King had a moment where he had a faith crisis. He didn't have great faith, but yet Dr. King talked about, this was at the beginning of his work in Montgomery, he talked about the fact that as he's going through this faith crisis, how the Lord showed up and gave him a glimpse, just gave him a glimpse of God's faithfulness. Well, fast forward 13 years, and it's the night before Dr. King is assassinated. And Dr. King's faith has been built up over time, over opportunity after opportunity, situation after situation where God shows God's faithfulness to Dr. King. And so I want you to hear just a little bit about from Dr. King himself as you listen to this, this passage, this, this video it's about to show, it's a short video of God's faithfulness even in Dr. King's life. So let's go ahead and let's show this video. Great faithfulness requires great faith in a faithful God. Dr. King had been given a glimpse. And even at the end of his life, 55 years ago this year, he recognized that God is faithful. If you haven't experienced the faithfulness of God before, or if it's been a while since you've experienced God's faithfulness, I encourage you to take a small step of faith and to put your trust in the promises of the faithful God.